Paul, the good news is the mess is contained. <laughs> All right, we're there. Today we are kicking off our Lenten sermon series and our whole Grow campaign. And I have to tell you, this is the culmination or the continuation of literally years of work. We want to be about growth. And you hear this in lots of ways and in lots of places. Uh, if you go back to 2014, we as a church adopted a mission statement. In the mission statement, you know, you, you get the verbs over there on the courtyard. Anybody know what the verbs are? To love Christ Jesus, to boldly proclaim truth, to serve our neighbor, and that last one, to grow God's kingdom. Pay attention to that word, grow. Because it comes up again, because in 2019 or so, uh, we adopted a vision statement. And the vision statement is an articulation of what it would look like if we were living fully into our mission. And that, and that vision statement is a vibrant, growing, do you hear it? A vibrant, growing church of spirit-empowered disciples mobilized to engage our neighbors with Jesus. And so the question we've been wrestling with, and we should always be wrestling with, is, is okay, how do we do that now? How do we do that post-COVID? How do we do that here in Harrisonburg? How, how, do, we, how do we grow? Because it's all absolutely clear that we're called to grow. You, you heard that in that first scripture lesson, that, that uh, great commission, not the great suggestion. The great commission to go and make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and to teach them all that Christ has commanded us. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to grow because do you know all that Christ commanded us? And he who teaches learns twice. You, you, we, we have to grow as disciples and, and clearly the result of growing as disciples is we're going to be making still other people disciples and, and that way we're growing God's kingdom. Great. We're commanded to do it. We say we want to do it. How do we do it? Well, we clearly don't do it alone. Right? Jesus says that in the Great Commission. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I would even say that Jesus is saying in that context, I am particularly with you when you're about my mission. That that's how you're going to actually grow, is, is you're going to do it with Jesus. That that's what's going to make it happen. And Jesus has not left us as orphans. He's given us his spirit, and he's given us his word. His word tells us how to grow. And all the word is useful for, for helping our growth. But today I want to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. So why don't you turn there now in your Bible, your pew Bible, or your Bible app. Uh, this passage is really well known because at the end of it uh, is the articulation of the fruit of the Spirit, which there's no law against, and so everybody loves. But I love this text because the last phrase of verse 13 was the text preached at my wedding. The last phrase is, rather, serve one another humbly in love. My wife is so much better at that than I am, 
But preaching this is a great reminder that I want to serve her humbly in love. So I love preaching. It's always a good reminder. But with that, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. Listen for God's word to you. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe you guys have heard it, but there is a, an ancient Native American proverb about how in each of us there are two wolves, and those wolves are at war with each other. And uh, to bring this to a Christian context and to our text that we just hit, you could easily say one of the wolves within you is the flesh and the other is the spirit. And the, the question is, which one is going to win the war? And the answer is pretty simple, right? Whichever one you feed. So are you feeding, as much of the world seems to be doing, are you feeding the flesh? Are you feeding yourself on selfish ambition, hatred, discord, jealousy, sexual immorality? I could give you the whole list, but you can look at it for yourselves in verses 19 through 21. But I picked those because they seem particularly evident in our society today. Or, or are you feeding yourself on love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Which everybody seems to want, but nobody seems to want to feed. Which one are you feeding? Because whichever one you feed is going to win, whichever one you feed is what's going to grow. 
But let, let me be clear, there is no neutral space. You are either going to grow the flesh or you are going to grow the spirit. It's not neutral. It's one or the other. And it's which one you feed. And it's which one you starve. Our text says really clearly that there are two ways about this one. There are two ways to decide which is going to grow and which is going to starve. Uh, and it starts by saying, walk with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And if you're walking by the Spirit, of course what's going to grow is love and joy and peace and patience and so on. And lots of other things, and it's going to be manifest that you are a Christian. You're going to be growing that fruit on a day-in, day-out basis if you're walking by the Spirit. So what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I, I love that phrase, walk by the Spirit, because most of us can walk. And it's just this day-in, day-out process of walking with Jesus, of walking by His Spirit. And you know how to do that. You you pray, and you read your Bible, and you get into community, and you come to worship, and you serve, and you're about evangelism, and all of those things connect you to the Spirit, and the result is growth. But you also need to crucify the flesh. Did you notice that? Because that was really clear in the, in the passage. And, and this word, crucify the flesh, is not just a metaphor. It's literal. You have to make some things die. You have to bury them. You have to kill them. It's violent. It's self-denial. And again, uh, this is real. I picked, I, I picked particular acts of the flesh earlier. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, envy selfish ambition because I see so much of them and sometimes for myself those things get fed when I watch the news or follow social media right I, I can watch a certain story depending on the source and and I will just find myself in a fit of rage I'll be full of hatred and and you know what I need to do sometimes maybe you need to do it too turn it off that's called self-denial, and you're going, wait, 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 I need to know what's happening in the world. Really? What difference are you going to make? This is why the church, and the Bible for that matter, throughout the ages has encouraged practices like fasting. You know, food's not a bad thing. But if you can say no to food for daylight hours, or a meal, or longer, maybe, just maybe, you'll be able to say no to selfish ambition and rage and discord and factions. This is why in the season of Lent, people fast. and They give something up to be able to kill that and create space for something different to grow. And that's the result, right? When, when, when you walk with the Spirit, and you kill the flesh, something grows. And what grows? You do. You, go, you grow as a Christian who is more full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. 
and self-control. And you also grow as one who is more obedient to all that Christ has commanded. I want to drill down on this for a second. Christ has commanded, not suggested, that we go and make disciples. And so one of the greatest evidences of growth as a Christian is you're making disciples. When you walk by the Spirit and when you crucify the flesh, one of the results is you're going to make disciples who make disciples. And I would even say in light of the Great Commission that if you are not making disciples, maybe you should question whether or not you are yourself a disciple. Again, I want to drill down to this because it's the heartbeat of this command, of, the, of, this, of this whole initiative that we are in the midst of. I think it's the heartbeat of who we are as a church, as evidenced in our vision statement and our mission statement, is we want to be disciples who are making disciples. How are you doing with that? How, how can you do that? Well, in this campaign, we want to suggest one really simple way, one step toward this, and, and, and this is not just a suggestion, this is definitely a ask. Is we want each of you to have one. We want you to have a one. We want you to have one person in your life who is not currently walking with Jesus. Now I want to unpack that walking with Jesus for a little bit, because I'm not saying not somebody who's not a Christian. I'm saying they might even know about Jesus. They might come to church on Christmas and Easter. But you know, as evidenced by the fruit, that they're not walking day in, day out with Jesus. They're not full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. They're just not there. And you want them to be. You, you desperately want them to be, you want them to have that hope and that peace and that joy that comes from walking with Jesus. Jesus doesn't make life easier, but he does make life possible. And you want that for them. And so, so you, this person needs to be local. So you have one person who's not walking with Jesus, and they're local, and you know why they need to be local? Because you're going to rearrange your life to spend regular time with them. Not as a project, but as a friend, because you want them to experience the abundant life of Jesus. And I, friends, don't blow past this, because I'm going to hold you accountable to this. You can ask my, my staff, because I ask them about their ones every single meeting, and I get a lot of stony face silence sometimes, because it's every single meeting. How's your one? How are they doing? What do you, no, no, you need to invest in this person on a regular basis because you want them to know Jesus. And in this campaign, we're going to have this moment, we're going to have this time where, where on March 26th, we're going to ask you to fill out commitment cards. And on that commitment card, there's going to be a space for some other stuff that I'll talk about later. But there's also going to be this space for you to write down the first name of your one. And believe me, when we get to Easter, April 9, two weeks later, we're going to make a bigger deal out of the number of ones because that's what we're all about. 
is reaching people with this good news. Now, this is not easy, right? Some of you, I can hear the excuses already happening. I can see them in your eyes, right? Some of you are going, John, I am a one. I'm not somebody who's walking with Jesus. Yeah, I got drug here today. I'm not super excited about this. Uh, 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 like, I know my own life. I know I'm not really walking with Jesus. Join the club. That's a good acknowledgement. That's a good place to start. Because when you can at least start there, then you can start to do something about that. And one of the best things you can do about that is have a one. Have somebody you're investing in, because if you're investing in somebody, I believe, I know, you're going to commit to investing in and growing yourself. And when they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go try to figure out the answer. And you know what's going to happen because you did that? You're going to grow. And so, some of you are going, oh, no, no, I have a different excuse. Uh, my, my different excuse is, John, all my friends are Christians. Uh, the people who I could socially actually invest in, they're, they're all already walking with Jesus. They're all Christians. That is a problem. But it's a problem God would love to solve. And if you find yourself in that spot, let me just ask you to do this. Let me ask you to pray. Let me ask you to pray that God would give you just one person who's not currently walking with Jesus, who you can invest in as a friend. God will answer that prayer. Friends, let, let me break this down for you. Uh, um, a couple of years ago, it was during Lent, actually, I preached through a book by a friend of mine named Don Everts, and the book's title was I Once Was Lost, and the book's premise uh, was after interviewing thousands of people who had come to Jesus, uh, it, it recognized that there are five thresholds that somebody has to cross to become a Christian. And those, those thresholds are these. First thing is they have to trust another Christian. And then they have to become curious. And, and, and then they have to become open to change. And then they have to seek Jesus, not some general spirituality. They have to seek Jesus. And then they have to actually make a decision. But it all starts with trusting a Christian. And guess what? Trust is earned. And it takes time. And if you're only hanging out with other Christians, what chance does somebody else have to learn to trust you and someday ask you for the reason, for the hope that is within you? Please have a one. That's part of how we grow. And that's part of how we grow personally, and it's part of what will result in us growing as a church. But as a church, we want to grow too. We want to take some initiatives as a church, and I want to unpack those for a second. So what the church has decided is, in terms of how we're going to grow, is, is we've identified three strategic priorities. We've said we want to focus in on evangelism, we want to focus in on discipleship, and we want to focus in on using these facilities to encourage evangelism and discipleship. Now let me break those down. So, so for evangelism, we as a church are strategically going after church planting. 
Because church planting is one of the most effective ways to grow God's kingdom. And it, it, it reaches people so much more effectively, and it actually grows the churches that support it. It's one of the best things we can do. And so we've set this audacious goal of being part of planting a church once every five years. That's huge. That's what we want to do around evangelism. Around discipleship, we, we, we want to strengthen what we're doing for children and family ministry. Because here's the deal. I spent some time looking this up. I'm betting that statistically 43% of you came to Christ before the age of 12. 66% of you came to Christ before the age of 18. And all of that, I used to think the numbers were actually higher, but even if it's only 66 before age 18, what does that tell you? It tells you the best chance to make a disciple who makes a disciple is to reach them while they're under 18. That's our very best chance. And so we as a church are committing to doing better with that and, and we're investing in staff, and I'm so excited about Vanessa being on our staff, but not because she's going to do it all. No, because she's going to help us do it. And relatedly, you know, you know, churches can and should have a great deal of influence in kids coming to faith, but you know who has the greatest influence in kids coming to faith? Their family. So we have to think about the whole family in this thing, and Vanessa's going to help us do that, and it's going to help us live into what we promised in, in the vows that when kids were baptized, or when an adult was baptized for that matter, we promised to help them grow in the midst of that. Now when it comes to the facilities, you know, we've said we want to use these facilities for church planting, and we want to use them for, for strengthening children and family ministries, and so we've developed a master plan. And this master plan for the church calls us to take the space on the other side of the courtyard back there, nine court square, and, and turn it into a great space for church planting. And I'm super excited about the plans there. And it calls us to redevelop the space back there uh, into a wing that is secure and refreshed and expanded with their own sets of bathrooms and all kinds of fun stuff for children. Because if you, if you are the age and stage where you're bringing young children to this church, you're terrified that we have them up on the second floor with all kinds of access points. Church, we've got to do better when it comes to children. We've got to put our money where our mouth is. And, and we need, need to just catch up on some deferred maintenance on this church. I love this building. I love this facility. It's gorgeous. But we're behind. So we need to refresh our lobby area, make it bigger and more welcoming so that when you have a one who is ready to come to church with you, man, this place is a place you're super excited to bring them to. And we need to clean up the space right over here and create access for fellowship and out to the courtyard and it's going to be amazing. And, and to do all that, you know what? Here's the other place I need your commitment. We need to raise a million and a half dollars. And so, yeah, we're asking you to commit to having a one, and that's the most important thing. If somebody gave me $2 million today, I'd still want to do this campaign because it's much more about you having a one than anything. But yeah, we're, we're asking you over the course of three years to sacrificially give. Over and above what you're already doing for the church. Because this is what we're called to. Now, I'm fully aware I just fire-hosed you with a ton of information. And you're going, I don't know what I'm going to remember from all that. That's okay. That's why this is a seven-week campaign. So you get six more weeks of this. Right? Uh, and, and we have lots of other fun things, too. Like this afternoon, 
we have the Sunday Funday Bowl. And by the way, that's no bait and switch. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the campaign there. Nobody's going to preach. We're not going to sing worship songs. We're just going to have fun. We're going to eat ice cream, and we're going to bowl, and we're going to hang out. And, and it's going to be great. And, and I think we're still going to learn a lot. And the people we invite are going to learn a lot. And we're going to have 10 vision gatherings. Uh, the first one is tomorrow, and I think they're 10 days straight, and we have one each day. And, and they're a chance for me to unpack everything I just told you and to show you this amazing video and for you to ask questions in groups of up to 30. And all of you should have received a card inviting you to this. You should have received an email inviting you to this. You should have received a phone call inviting you to this. And if you have not signed up for one of these vision gatherings, or you didn't receive any of those because you're new and we don't have your info, well, guess what? Right after the service, there's a table, and Marilyn's going to be there, and you can sign up for one of these things. Please sign up and come to one of these. This is how we're going to unpack the vision, and you're going you're to learn more about it. We're also going to have a prayer and worship night on March 22nd. Mark your calendars for March 22nd because we're going to gather and we're going to pray. And don't blow passes because prayer really is the greater work. And with that in mind, we actually have a daily prayer guide. And we're going to give you at the end of this service, each of you is going to get a booklet. That's Brad, is it 44 pages? It's a 44-page booklet that unpacks everything I just did and has a daily prayer guide and has daily devotions that we hope you can do as individuals and as families and in your small groups and in your classes because we want you to grow. There's a ton. But here's the point. We're called to grow as disciples who make disciples. We're off to a good start. I can't wait to tell you the stories about how great a start we're off to. But we need to press in to the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that the seeds that have been planted and watered through this reading and preaching of your word would grow that they would bear fruit, and that we would grow as disciples who make disciples, and that your kingdom would grow as a result. We ask this in your name. Amen.